Did people in New York City riot for the dumbest reason ever in 1922? The internet says it's true. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where every week we learn something that sounds made up but is really true, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name's Michael Kent. Welcome back. Let's learn something new. Coming up later in the show, we'll be talking with actor Hal Sparks, so we have that to look forward to here in a bit. For Patreon listeners, you get every episode a week early now, and you can listen ad-free and watch video. So much cool stuff happening over there. I sent a bunch of stickers and photos out in the mail this week to some of those Patreon members. You can join at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. I appreciate all of the support there. For everyone else, this episode is coming out on Independence Day, July 4th. So to those of you listening in America, happy 4th of July. If you live in a neighborhood, please be considerate of your neighbors that have pets and or PTSD before deciding to light off fireworks. Just remember that something like 30% more pets get lost between July 4 and July 6 than any other time of the year. Only 14% of those animals are returned to their owners, so please be aware of that. Also, be careful. Don't do anything stupid as you're celebrating. If you have an interesting fact or a piece of history that sounds made up but it's actually true, please send it in to me. You can do that at the internet says it's true.com. There's a form right there on the homepage. I would love to have you contribute to the show just like we had from this caller, Brian. Hey, Michael. This is Brian. Hey, I got one for you. Have you ever heard about the straw hat riots that happened here in Manhattan? Well, this is interesting. I knew nothing about this one. I took a look into it, and I'm not sure there's been a civil unrest over a dumber thing. This may be the dumbest thing anyone's ever rioted over, but that, of course, makes it interesting and makes it great for this podcast. You may have heard about the tradition that forbids the wearing of white after Labor Day. It's a social taboo to do so, and it's one of those traditions from the past that has long been removed from its origin. It's an antiquated social rule that nobody adheres to anymore, but the reason for it is status. Before we could brag about our vacations on Instagram and Facebook, the clothes we wore let those around us know what sort of vacations we could afford, if we could afford them at all. People who were of means and wealth could afford to vacation traveling away to warmer climates where it was customary to wear white linen clothing to keep cooler. Then, when they returned back home to the city, those members of the upper echelons of social and economic class felt the need to separate themselves from poorer members of society. In a place like New York City, where there was little or no geographical separation between classes, the way they would separate themselves was by wearing these white clothes. After all, a working-class person wouldn't be able to wear white because it would get dirty, so light colors were commonly worn by richer people, dark colors by poorer people. Labor Day was usually seen as the end of summer, so if you wore white after Labor Day, it was signaling to society that you had the money, the means, to take these special fall and winter vacations. So it's an antiquated social rule, and it's basically rooted in classism. There's a similar tradition in other countries with fingernails. Men in Greece, Italy, Portugal, and Turkey have a tradition of wearing one of the nails of their pinky finger much longer than their other nails. And the reason they do this is the understanding that if you worked a manual labor job, you wouldn't be able to wear that fingernail long without it being broken or worn down. It's another tradition rooted in showing your social and economic status. And that's what brings us to straw hats. For men in the late 1800s and early 1900s, the hat was an important part of clothing, particularly in public. 
Men wore the Homburg-style hat with their semi-casual clothing, which was a popular felt-style hat with a short brim. Anytime you were wearing a jacket or blazer, you would be wearing a Homburg hat. But for summer months, that would often be replaced with a hat called a boater, a boater hat. Now, these days, you've probably seen a boater hat associated with political rallies or barbershop quartets. It's the straw hat with the flat top and the short flat brim and a ribbon around the base. This type of hat was the equivalent in formality to the Hamburg, but worn in the summer to signify the change in seasons. A less formal version was the Panama hat, which is the larger brim version that Teddy Roosevelt had made popular when he was photographed wearing one while observing the construction of the Panama Canal. These straw hats were only accepted as summer headwear. It's similar to wearing white clothes in that way. Different regions would switch to straw hats on different days, but there would usually be a regionally declared straw hat day when men would switch from their felt hats to straw, usually around May 15th. It was sort of a celebration that summer had arrived. Everyone loved to switch their straw hats. Likewise, when September 15th arrived, that meant that summer was over and it was time to switch back to felt hats. And if you didn't, there was hell to pay. I'll tell you all about that after a quick break. I'm John DeSando, host of Back Talk. This podcast is an extension of the long-running, award-winning movie review show, It's Movie Time. Back Talk features additional content and banter with guests about new movies. If you want more insight and information about what's playing now in theaters and online, find Back Talk at the WCBE podcast experience on wcbe.org. You'll be happy you did. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing bombs, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to the internet says it's true.com slash deals for the link. I've been traveling again lately, and that means I've been wearing my Scotty Vest jacket, which is awesome for anyone who sort of lives life on the go like I do. It's been awesome for traveling around because it's got tons of pockets for all my gadgets, my phone, my glasses, my wallet, my charging cord, you name it. It's a clothing company I believe in, and I'm confident they've got an article of clothing that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. To get 15% off your order, visit the link in the show notes. Think about the last time you celebrated St. Patrick's Day. You might have eaten some traditionally Irish food like corned beef and cabbage, drank a green beer, and you may have gotten pinched if you forgot to wear green that day. It's a weird tradition for sure, but where did it come from? Well, according to the New York Irish Center, wearing green symbolizes Irish republicanism, the group that campaigned for Ireland to become independent in the late 18th century. And the reason we get pinched is because of the folklore that green makes you invisible to leprechauns, and naughty leprechauns apparently like to pinch people. So, if you don't wear green and someone pinches you, they are cosplaying as a leprechaun. That or they're grossly appropriating leprechaun culture. Either way, it's a social clothing rule that is openly enforced and understood with a sort of transgression against the culprit. And that's what happened if a man wore a straw hat after felt hat day. 
The date to switch back to felt hats was originally September 1st, but had eventually been pushed back a few weeks. In some areas it was September 13, in some areas it was September 20th, but as we talked about earlier, men were supposed to switch from their summer boater hats to warmer felt hats when the seasons got colder. And regardless of the actual weather, this date was September 15th in New York. If a man was seen wearing a straw hat after that date, then his buddies would taunt him and for some close friends, it was even acceptable to knock the hat off his head and stomp on it, ruining it. This was common practice between stockbrokers on Wall Street. They were friends and it was a friendly ribbing. Now at some point, this started moving from being a practice between friends to being a prank that mischievous teenagers would do to complete strangers. So if they saw a man wearing a straw hat past the acceptable date, they'd knock it off his head and smash it before running away. This became so prevalent that newspapers would run warnings to men leading up to September 15th to be sure to switch hats. Of course, many of these warnings were put in the paper by the local hat salesman next to an ad for their finest felt Homburgs. In 1922, September 15 was only two days away and a group of kids decided that they couldn't wait for felt hat day. They were going hat smashing in Mulberry Bend. Mulberry Bend was a rough area of New York. It's now the area known as Chinatown, but in that time, it was part of the city filled with young street gangs like the Dead Rabbits and the Bowery Boys. It was known throughout New York as one of the worst neighborhoods. Upper class people didn't go there. It was seen as the place where poor immigrants lived with crime, filth, and depravity. On September 13th, a group of teens ran up and down Mulberry Bend, knocking and smashing straw hats off factory workers who were wearing them. After all, they wanted to smash hats, and in two days, there'd be a lot less hats to smash. When they smashed the hats of a group of dock workers, the dock workers fought back, turning the whole thing into a huge brawl that is said to have even stopped traffic on the Manhattan Bridge. Police stopped the fight, arrested some people, and everyone else went home. But the next night, the same thing happened. This time, it was worse. This time, the group of hat smashers had grown to over a thousand. Some of them were armed with baseball bats. Some of those baseball bats had nails driven through them protruding from the barrels. The thugs went up and down lower Manhattan, knocking off straw hats, smashing them, and beating up anyone who fought back. Multiple men were hospitalized. Huge groups of teens smashed hats on Amsterdam Avenue and more on 109th. The police once again did very little, but eventually stopped the rioting. Only a few of the boys were jailed, and the longest sentence served was just three days. The New York Tribune printed a story about the Straw Hat riots a few days later. The article says, quote, Boys who were guided by the calendar rather than the weather, and most of all by their own trouble-making proclivities, indulged in a straw hat-smashing orgy throughout the city last night. A dozen or more were arrested, and seven were spanked ignominiously by their parents in the East 104th Police Station, by order of the lieutenant at the desk. Close quote. Hat smashing continued every year until the fashion of wearing the boater hats died out. Some years, hat smashing incidents were worse than others, but 1922 in New York City was the largest scale incident, except for the time in 1924 when a man was actually murdered for wearing a straw hat past the acceptable date. So there you go. The straw hat riots, a ridiculously stupid reason to riot. You know, when Brian sent me this topic, he sent it with a note that says, This is the most white people-led riot I've ever heard in my life. To which I replied, It's definitely in the top two. Stop the steal! Stop the steal! Stop the steal!
It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today we're talking with the legendary Hal Sparks. You may know Hal from his role as Michael Novotny on Queer as Folk or from Lab Rats or Spider-Man 2. He's also a political commentator, musician, and comedian. Good to see you again, Hal. How have you been? I'm spectacular, but I'll get better. You yeah. know, there's always room for improvement, even when you're as great as I am. And uh, it's it's nice to be here. Well, we Lovely were just... orange background that you have here. Thank I appreciate you. it. We were just chatting um, about, um, you know, today's events. And, and on the day that we're recording this, which is a week ago, for those of you listening to it, um, mm-hmm. is the day that the big uh, Supreme Court Roe v. Wade decision came down. And I'm, I'm feeling pretty dejected today. And as yeah. and, and I talk to you, and you're you're hopeful, and I need that today. So I appreciate you. Yeah, and I, I needed to hear one of the biggest voice. reasons. One of the biggest reasons, and we'll do it short because we'll get on with the show or whatever. Yeah. One of the biggest reasons is that sometimes when you have a a temporary solution that's been there, you've been patching a hole with a band aid for a long time instead of doing the spackling you need. Eventually, that's going to break loose. And at a certain point, you have to recognize that that's not going to be able to hold up the pressure that you're using. That patch is not going to hold forever. That duct tape on that pipe is going to come loose. And you can either scream at duct tape or you can get about replacing the pipe. And and I've been screaming about replacing the pipe for a long time. So it's nice to see people finally coming on board with we need to fix our pipes. You know what I'm saying? Because the leak is going to continue to happen. I mean, there are still going to be abortions. not, not only that, you got people drilling holes in the pipe. Yeah. So I would argue that uh, you got you got one choice in this, uh, you know, between the two that's going to actually try to fix the pipe, and the rest of them are going to try to pretend there's duct tape that will work, and then tear away strips of it every chance they can get, or in this case, tear it straight off and just let the the basement flood. And uh, you got to act like it. You got to start treating women's rights more than like a ping pong ball. Yeah. And that. You know, we'll decide next time. We'll punt it. We'll punt it. We'll punt it. No, nah, I'm not doing that. Oof. Yeah. Well, your uh, your enthusiasm and your analogy ability is one of the reasons why I enjoy watching your live stream every it every is. weekday. Um, so I brought you on to uh, to quiz you about something that you may or may not know about. Now, what part of the country are you originally from? Kentucky. You're from Kentucky. And where are you oh, yes. these days? I'm in uh, Vegas and L.A. I split my okay. time between the two. Vegas and L.A. Uh, yeah. So, you know, basically, I, you know, it's, I've grown up and been in the same environments my entire life. You know, uh, <laughs> what's the difference? Downtown Chicago, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and of course, Peaks Mill, Kentucky. I mean, as the Chinese would say, Chabodua. It's the same. <laughs> Just say it back well, tell me if you know this one. Here's your question. Oh, and by the All way, right. if you get it right, I have to uh, tell a joke. And if you get it wrong, oh. you'll have to tell me a joke. Okay, sure. All right. Here's the question. In the year of 1922, there were riots for a really stupid reason. Which one of these was that reason? Was it A, men rioted when ladies started wearing pants and police refused to intervene. B, men wore straw hats out of season instead of switching to felt hats for the fall. Or C, Woodrow Wilson refused to concede to Warren G. Harding and his supporters stormed the Capitol building to hang Vice President Thomas Marshall. Um, I'm going with uh, ladies in pants. The answer is straw hats. Is straw hats. It is straw hats, right? Because <laughs> uh, there was a that was part of the thing about um, elections. One of the reasons why um, straw hats were a big thing that you wear at at uh, primaries and stuff was that it was an out of season choice for what kind of ha- like that was the seasonal choice. You'd always associate it with a primary because that happened earlier in the year. Yes. And so in the fall, you put on a fedora, That's but in right. the summer, you wore your thatch hat. Yeah. And it's a lot like the, 
you know, wearing white after Labor Day thing. People wore the the hats because it was seasonal. And um, that's the same one of the same reasons they wore white. One of the reasons was because if you were working poor, you couldn't wear white because you would get it dirty. So it was a way to right. show your wealth. Right. I'm wearing white yes. clothes. Uh, I have a well, I can't do that now. I mean, like and I don't understand people who can wear. I, I've never understood white jeans my entire life. <laughs> no. Like, What are you talking about? Like if you can live a Kardashian lifestyle where apparently they float from couch to couch. I don't understand <laughs> what the fuck that show is. That drives me crazy. Like it's all just women on couches leaning back going, I don't know what she's talking about. Well, it's because they have what I'm talking other about. people to do anything that would possibly get them oh. dirty. The idea that they're, they're like, we're so involved in our children's lives. I'm like, yeah, maybe beating them because I don't know how there aren't stains on all those couches. There's no way <laughs> <laughs> you're raising a, a, a child that isn't some sort of Stepford wife automaton, you know, semi-boy. If, if you're, uh, you know, in terms of like, he's he's kind of an android um, because he stays in a corner until we clean up the mess. I, we couldn't have white furniture in this house. My <laughs> no. God, my all my carpet is gray. We have cats and kids in this house. There is no way. <laughs> I, I have you a. Know, uh, so I have never a... got the white thing. I, I mean, I've always wanted to be the Great Gatsby, but it, but just the I never learned how to tie a cravat, but much less the white slacks thing is right so out. The, yeah, I have a I have a photo of me doing a magic show in the summer wearing white linen. Like what? That was my. I don't know. I decided I could do that. I was probably like twenty three. I, I, you know, I decided. Probably Don Johnson era stuff. You know what I mean? Bring back, bring back the Miami Vice linen thing. I tried that for a while. I tried. I was like, that's a style I could adapt to. Yeah. During the early years of stand up, where you would wear a suit jacket and a t shirt and a a wackier t shirt, the better that kind of idea. (laughs) Um, That was like the uniform. Right. And there was at one point where like, well. Could you be a slightly cooler version? I mean, look at Eddie Murphy. He's basically wearing Elvis's comeback outfit when he's touring or Michael Jackson's thriller jacket. Maybe maybe there's an area where I can gussy up for my shows without overstepping into it being too much of a show. And I was like, I'll wear a linen, white linen jacket. That lasted one show. One show. You know? Yeah, one one sweaty show. Any like you, you do one place with tin can hats, and suddenly sure. your you know your armpits are a different shade. Yeah, like, well, now it's are gonna just think a, I'm nervous, and I'm just cooking. Yeah, it's just yellow in certain spots. No big deal. Right, it's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the well, the interesting thing about beer the, is reasonable in that situation. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say the interesting thing about the whites after the white clothes after Labor Day is that like there weren't people to enforce that. It was just sort of a faux pas. But with the straw hat thing, people would take off your hat and and smash it they would punch mm-hmm. punch it out like they'd punch their fist through the straw because you could because mm-hmm. it was straw um right and, and that was acceptable and I, I compare it to you know like the pinching someone if they don't wear green on saint patrick's day which i find yeah, yeah. incredibly annoying and something that can stop immediately um, no no no. it must continue and i'll explain why afterwards <laughs> put a pin in that for now <clears throat> well that's all i had to mm-hmm. say so i want to know uh what what what's your feeling on the fourth of july or on the, oh, uh, the uh, saint patrick's day the, the more people become reticent about uh normal physical contact the more the only people that make physical contact are the skeevy among us and so there's a certain amount of like people have have retracted from physical touching because of you know the epsteins the cosby's the weinstein's the you know the matt lowers of the world and we're all like not touching each other because of that which is giving the reins of our social interaction to the worst among us. And I think those kind of things that are genuinely innocent, genuinely yes. silly interpersonal contact are actually valuable for personal interaction, just like hugs and that kind of stuff, that if you allow to fade because you're afraid of the worst among us, 
they effectively win the battle. They get to define what the limits are and what lines exist, and then they get to cross them. And if your fetish is crossing a line, the the bigger the line gets and the deeper it gets, the more your fetish gets expressed. Like you have to do even less just to get that PowerPoint because it's not about physical contact, wow. it's about control. So if you expand this, like nobody touches anybody without total consent and everybody has to do and we're all doing this kind of like Victorian dance around each other, you actually acquiesce the social ground to the skeeviest worst people because suddenly their fetish runs the world. I think Alan Watts once said that Christianity is the highest form of kink because nothing is kinkier than making sex dirty. Mm. And that's that's where you give it away to those folks. That's so a really I, I won't do that. I'm, interesting I'm perspective. Very, I like it. You know, and it, and it reminds me of the whole reason that the right has started ever started in the first place calling Joe Biden creepy Joe. Yeah. Is you see pictures of him being very, I guess the word would be haptic with people, you know, you know, yeah. putting his hands on shoulders. And that's I know a lot of older people like that. It's like a grandpa thing, you know, I know and, people who aren't old who do that, who are like, yeah. I know people who are trying to make it have a comeback where they uh, elbow touchers, shoulder touchers, mm -hmm. um, lower back and hip touchers. And it isn't sexual. Yeah. And I know people are like there. We, there's generations of and I think it's a mix of tragedies that have made this, you know, I think the AIDS trauma freaked people out. The whole, you know, if you sleep with someone, you're sleeping with everyone they've ever slept with. And after going to the Past Lives Pavilion, that could be tens of thousands of people, um, if you like the movie uh, Defending Your Life. And, um, <laughs> and But the reclamation of interpersonal contact that is non-sexual actually has tremendous value and is very comforting. And the problem is, is if you take that away, then you sexualize all contact yeah, which is interesting. way creepier sure that's really interesting and it also makes me think about the way that you know when i get photos with people after a, after i do a show yeah i'm always very careful now to do like double thumbs up or hands in my pockets um, because of the fear of um what would be perceived from a photograph you know if my hands aren't visible and that is in in your yeah i'm not going to do that I will never do that because yeah, that acquiesces to those people. Interesting. What, uh, the only people going, where are his hands? Are total fucking creeps. Yeah. No. Okay. I'm not going to do that. I like I'm going to put my arms around people. I'm going to hug them or whatever. If they, they're they like, can I get a hug? I'm like, absolutely. I will I will hug them as a person that is in my family in those cases. Um, I have had untoward human beings make sexual and inappropriate advances on my physical person in lines for photos and that kind of stuff over the course of my career. I've been a road comic since I was 16 years old. I, I mean, during yeah. the Queer as Folk photo shoots, mm -hmm. we had some men and their partners in line to get pictures with us who were specifically trying to get our, their hands down our their pants. Yeah, Was I assaulted in that moment by today's standard? Yeah. Did I care in that regard? No, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm a dude and I was a teenager at one point, and I was a young man and highly sexualized in a safe space where I thought that kind of behavior was okay. And I act, I was like testing lines and stuff like that. And I never meant ill to the person I was expressing towards. And unless I'm being groped and I told somebody, hey, knock it off, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to. Huh. But the minute I say it, line is drawn. Anything before that, we're human beings interacting. And I'm not going to assume the worst about you that because you put your hand, you reached over to put your hand on my uh, on my back or around yeah. my waist to take a picture and it accidentally hit my hip bone because 
I'm taller or shorter than you thought I would be. And we're all just, is it a picture? Is it a picture? I'm not going to go like, Jesus Christ, everyone stand back. Like I'm not yeah. allowing those elements of my personality to define those. Cause like I said, I think that's way kinkier. I think that's way gross, way more gross than, than an oops or some, or one person out of a 170 people I take a picture with being a cretin. You have challenged my thinking on this, and that's I'm what going I do. to. That's all I'm here for. I'm, I'm gonna... here to make you like people again. That's <laughs> the, that's my goal in the world. People are good. The vast majority of people are decent human beings. Every morning, billions of people wake up trying to make the world better for themselves and their loved ones and strangers they'll never meet, and they they vastly outnumber the creeps among us. And I will not. I refuse to let the creeps define my behavior. Love it, love it. Do you have a joke for me? Since you got that one wrong. I do. Um, a uh, and, and and let's see. Uh, yeah. So um, a uh, Canadian hockey player, a uh, <laughs> um, a, um, a a Russian oil rig worker, and a and a a, a, a gray whale um, walk into a bar, and uh, the hockey player goes up to the bar and goes, "Hey, got any like? Uh, uh, I'd love a beer and a donut, eh?" Just anything you got back there. I don't need, even need the. I just like to dunk my beer. You know, it's kind of a Tim Hortons thing. We like to do that. Can you do that? And he sets him up and he's totally cool. The Russian oil worker just goes, like uh, anything that's just, uh, made from rotten potatoes. If it's uh, <laughs> vodka, it's one thing, but uh, it's not important to me. Something that was just really hit the spot. It really, you know, because it's been a rough day. And, uh, and yeah, so anyway, thanks very much. And he gets, uh, he sets him up with a vodka. And then the whale says, <laughs> <laughs> oh so good so good Thanks. it's one of my favorite jokes and you can fill it in with anybody <laughs> the only part that matters is the whale so that's one of those jokes it's not hard for people to remember and retell Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where they can they can kind of pick any group. There's some there's some uh, there's a, a you know Louisville Sluggers fan and there's a, yeah. there's a football fan. All you need is a whale. <laughs> yeah, all you need is the whale. Just remember like the you whale. Can fill it in with anything. It's great. For this next question, how we're playing for a Twitter plug. So if you get it right, I'll plug your daily live stream to my massive five thousand four hundred Twitter followers. If you get it wrong, you've got to plug this podcast to your reasonable following of 126,000. Totally even stakes here. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Panama hats became popular in the U.S. when Teddy Roosevelt was photographed wearing one while observing construction on the Panama Canal. But straw hats didn't originate in Panama. Which one of these countries invented the hat that became known as the Panama hat? Was it A, the United States, B, Ecuador, or C, China? Well, um, we know that uh, like what are effectively called coolie hats, the, the Chinese hats are indeed made of straw, but that's not the ones we're talking about. Um, the uh, Ecuadorian part of it would seem to be that because of where he was wearing it, but I'm gonna go with the States. The answer is Ecuador. That's oh, okay. see how that's too where your, your instinct is telling you the right answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically yeah. the Panama hat is known as the Ecuadorian hat, uh, a Tokia straw hat, or this is so fun. So you've been telling me that, that all during high school, I should have been wearing Ecuadorian Jack clothing. <laughs> yes. I had a, uh, I had so a, disappointed. I had a Panama Jack shirt 
that uh, I bought yeah, specifically because did. there's something about, oh, this wasn't high school. This was like maybe oh. 10 years ago. So I was. Oh, I see. Did you have a members in, only jacket? Too, that you got it. I wish I had it. Like, no, I hipster, wish I had hipster one. face. No, see, I can't claim that this was hipster. I didn't get it at a thrift store. I got it at a Panama Jack store. Um, Sweet. So I bought it because, you know, sometimes when you're on vacation, you feel like doing really stereotypical vacationy things. And I was like, I'm going to get a right. flowery shirt. And I got it and I wore it once. And uh, sure. next well, time vacation shirt. I went to wear it for, on the next vacation and it was like um, shredded. I don't know what ha- it just wasn't good quality. Wasn't but. of quality. Yeah, no. I'm shocked. But yeah, um, Panama I, hat. The Pan- I had a Panama <laughs> Jack shirt um, when I was in high school. It was literally a white T-shirt with the Panama Jack logo, yeah, the logo. kind it's of cool thing logo. on the front. That's it. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never, I don't wear button downs a lot of times anyways, because I find, except when I'm doing Nerd Halen, for example, yes. which is obviously integral to the uniform. But, um, but I, most of my clothing choices are what I would call the gray man, which is I should be able to blend in to any surrounding if I choose. I can stand out via my own personality but if you saw me walking, especially if my hair's not long and yeah. it's back or whatever, you're just like, I don't know, average height, average build, white dude, brown hair, brown eyes. I, I, I can vanish. I could, I could reach her my way into, you know, into a crowd anytime I want to. And so, and, and, and the other thing is my, uh, that's the gray man. And then the other part is it has to be tight enough and conforming enough that it doesn't snag on a chain link fence. If I'm ever running from a state official and that's, <laughs> that's left over from high school that uh, the idea of having saggy pants yes. in high school or, or ri- even ripped jeans to some degree, yeah. if you're trying to scale a wall when they're like, run for it, you know, um, that was the lesson I learned in high school was that <laughs> collars and buttons can get stuck on stuff. Whereas if it's a t-shirt, you either just let it tear or you tear the thing off and book. And, um, <laughs> and there's left, left behind. This left, is left uh, behind. survival lessons with house sparks. So you're joining yep. uh, Sparky and Mike in the morning. Um, That's right. Hey, we got Skeeter coming up in a couple of seconds. He's outside of the parking lot. He's trying to round somebody up who's going to hit him in the dick with a tennis racket. And then after that, we got Claire with the morning. She's a sassy lady. She's sassy. She does that sass. sass. She put those, uh, the lady sass into the, into the weather and the traffic. She's got all that lady sass. Am I yeah. not? I mean, that's the, that's the roundup, isn't it? It is. Like it is. Four, yeah. My goal is to make Michael, uh, cough himself to death with I, laughter this is ridiculous so this is the third show in a third week in a row that i have had to cough through an episode trying to get rid of whatever this is and every time i laugh it makes it so much worse and i, I need You're to welcome. quit inviting funny people on the show is the problem that's right that's what i bring in so, someone that will make you you know what because you know what's better the best thing for mucus is tears yeah well just no, join us next week sl- while i have slobber. guest a molecular geneticist um oh. <laughs> no i did have a uh, i did have a scientist from like Sweden on one of the very early shows to, to tell us about how dung beetles use celestial navigation. That's episode two, I believe. It, it's 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 kind of like one of those things where you find out that like cows face north oddly with the magnetic Do they? field of the earth. And that, that sounds like yeah, an episode of the show. Of the day, so they try that the, the uh, they they like when they're just hanging out. Yeah. And they start moving in one direction. They, you know, they all tilt north or whatever or south, whatever it is. But they specifically line up in north south directions because of the And look at uh, me magnetic- wearing a watch like a sucker. Yeah. I could just be looking out, going out to the nearest field. What time is it? Let me check my cow. Uh, that's the- right. It's <laughs> it, it's dung o'clock. Apparently I'm late. Um, I'm at the wrong end of the cow. I got to get out of here. 
Wow, I'm gonna look that. That sounds like that would be a fantastic future episode. So uh, I'm yeah. gonna look that up. Also, the uh, the the magnetic poles of the Earth maybe uh, the, there's the big the big story right now is are the magnetic poles of the Earth reversing? You know, and will it destroy? Blah blah. blah. I mean, it's done it before, and of course, it didn't destroy anything. As yeah. a matter of fact, there's a shit ton of us, and there's a lot more animals after. I don't know what, but anyways. Yeah, that's the big fear is that the magnetic poles of the earth are going to change. And then everybody in an airplane is going to have to go ding, ding. Okay, it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like the Y2K all over again. I totally. did do an episode about a guy who thought the earth was hollow. A guy from here in yes. Ohio. Oh, Agartha. Uh, Sims. The Agartha mythology and the and the and Admiral Byrd and, and yeah. the holes in the, in the. Oh, I love that shit. Oh, yeah. That's and one he, of my favorite ones. And he yeah. thinks that there's, you know, there's people living in there and, and different different bird or different, you know, animals and different trees. And there was sure. some super deep cave that they just found in, in Asia, in China, in China. Yeah. Where there were ridiculously tall trees and new species of, of plant life and everything down mm -hmm. in there. And it's super fascinating. That's the first thing I thought of when I read that story. It was like, yeah, once the Antarctica seems... thaws, the dinosaurs are coming back. That's why we have to keep, that's why I have to fight global warming. Basically the, so, so the, the people that don't know, and if you've seen Stargate, you'll understand this, that uh, human beings decided a long time ago that we can't live with uh, dinosaurs and we can't get rid of them because we didn't have the weapons at the time. So we corralled them all into the holes at the top and the bottom of the earth. And then we let the earth cool by uh, limiting our greenhouse gases for a period of time. So it kind of capped them and wow. they're all trapped in there. And if, uh, if climate change, I'm making this up as I go along. It's if fantastic. Climate change, if climate change uh, melts the polar ice caps, here come the pterodactyls. And that's what Jurassic World is warning us about. So it's kind of a yeah. climate story. Yeah, it's a harbinger. The, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really interested in, in, the, in who herded them. Like maybe in somewhere encoded in the DNA of our dogs, there's a memory of herding dinosaurs. Um, Very possibly. I think it was, I there. think that's where the, uh, the snake charmers and the, um, uh, the, like, uh, what uh, what Pied Piper yeah. stories are actually based on the mythology. We figured out some tone that draws them all. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And that a long time ago, it was like probably humans pushing a giant piece of bronze that had been, that if you kept hitting it, it made this right tone. And then they had to roll it on. Well, they didn't on, have wheels. So oh, it would have been. Oh yeah. Well, no, they would put it logs. on logs yeah. and keep moving logs. the log in front right. of it, you know? And then it was slowly moved it piece by piece. And the, you know, the Celtics or whatever, you know, kept moving it north. It was passed off tribe to tribe until they got up there. And then we hit it once really hard and pushed it over the cliff. And then they all chased it into the hole. And after the, the dinosaurs got in the, the hole, resonated. giant asteroid hit the earth and like, shit, we just, we could have used that. That would have done it for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. And, but every, all the humans were at the poles, so we didn't get wiped out. Yes, man. This yeah, is a book. Uh, this is like uh, the start of a new, a new sci-fi novel. Yeah, all right. It's, it's like a moron version of Avatar. <laughs> Let's move on. Oh, for that one, uh, you got it wrong. So Twitter plug to your 126,000 followers, will, but I'll plug, I will share this I'll plug your stuff as well. I will indeed. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Question three. For this question, we're playing for a coveted The Internet Says It's True sticker. They're hard to come oh. by and extremely valuable, and I can legitimately say now this. Now something I actually care about. <laughs> this. Uh-oh, uh you just read There you go. This uh, sticker is the last one. Uh, because I just mailed out the rest of them to Patreon subscribers and had them sitting at the uh, the booth at the Columbus Arts Festival last week. So we did a, a wow. live episode, which was a lot of fun. So here's the question. Columbus, Ohio? Is that, is that yeah, where you I'm are? In Columbus. Are you in Ohio? I am. Oh, I have. I was born in Cincinnati, oh, grew cool. up in Kentucky, but my I got a ton of family in in Cleveland, so I'm always up there. Sweet. And then my my cousin's band used to, you know, he went to school in Columbus. That's where he started his first band. So they played all the Columbus music scene is terrific. Yeah, it is. The indie, the indie rock scene in Columbus is terrific. I it's one of those things where, but for certain 
money spent and other shit going on that it could have been the next flourishing spot a couple of times and it may still at some point the next indie rock um when the, when the labels are looking if they ever do again columbus sure. is a great, great place for them to go hey there's a niche of of good writers and yeah absolutely and we've had a few you know we've had a few bands that that have made it big out of columbus recently so um mm-hmm. you know occasionally it happens and and a lot of good places to play music here it's just you know it's one of those hidden big cities it's a it's a pretty large city that doesn't yeah. nobody really knows about so but that's, uh, you know, that's the, sometimes that's the best. It's kind of like the facts of life. It's the show that just never got canceled, just stayed on and on and on. And people are like, is that show still on? And that was enough. This is, you know, you know how many shows get canceled because they have too much attention? Yeah. And a bunch of shows that are just kind of hum along in the background. People forgot that spot was filled. And so they got a shitty time slot. Nobody expects much. So the show ends up stacking 60 episodes by the time anybody notices, we should look at the ratings. This is it's how I Columbus feel is, about yeah. The Simpsons. Um, every once in a while, there'll be there'll be an episode of The Simpsons that someone will find from 20 years ago that was prophetic. And right. I'm like, it's not that they're prophetic. It's that they have been on the air for so long and they've covered so many topics that right. they have told every story there is to tell. So when it happens in real life, nothing's new. Yeah. It's, it's Of course right. they told that. They were in out of stuff in season four. They had to start right. making stuff up. Big Lebowski, I mean, that that one's crucial. But, you know, Bush on television, this uh, aggression will not stand, writing his the date on his check is 9-11. What? Um, I don't know yeah. about this. I'll have to look that yeah. up. That's crazy. Maybe that'd be a good episode. Man, you're giving me all kinds of ideas here, but let's, let's hey, move what on. I do. Here's your question. The Straw Hat Riots in 1922 were instigated by gangs of teenagers from the rough-and-tumble Mulberry Bend area of Five Points in Lower Manhattan. Which one of these other disturbances happened in that same area of New York? Was it A, the Dead Rabbits Riot, B, the Irish Mules Riot, or C, the Daniel Day Riot? <laughs> um, rabbits sounds most ridiculous. I'm going with rabbits. You are correct. The Dead Rabbits Riot was a two-day civil disturbance in New York City. It uh, evolved from it was a it was a street fight between the Dead Rabbits, which was a, a gang and the Bowery Boys, which was a different gang. This was 1857 um, in the Scorsese. I, I, first film, of all, the Dead Rabbits <coughs> sounds like a Monty Python cover band that does all the sketches as musicals, <laughs> which I'm 100 percent behind right now. OK, and I've just I'm trademarking it as I say. it. OK, now you've got two satirical bands. Uh, yes, <laughs> we've got Nerd Island and the Dead Rabbits, and, the Dead Rabbits and literally do musical versions where they sing Monty Python sketch, the parrot sketch, uh, the the rabbit scene from uh, Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah, and they deliver stuff. You know, the songs from Monty Python they deliver as monologue with no music. Yeah. So we're just that's gonna... right. Yeah, they, they read them straight as poetry. Yeah, uh, in the Scorsese film Gangs of New York, they do have a a fictional bout a fictional uh, riot between the dead rabbits and the bowery boys by those names but it was it's fiction it's a it's based on this actual right. two-day civil disturbance but yeah they overlapping history moments to just try and tell a point about the social and and moral and personal interactions you sir have won my last thank god the sticker. last one uh, it, there was pressure on that one the other two i i honestly didn't give a shit about right. so i was just uh yeah. i was enjoying the conversation and really not trying that hard um <laughs> and, and i was second guessing myself sort of on purpose just for fun but the but this one there was material gain involved and uh greed took over and i fought the good fight and i feel good about my chances and uh i'm glad to have the title and i i look forward to uh next year 
when I have to pass the final sticker off to next year's winner. Yeah, and I'm I not ordering to honor the title. It's going to be next um, week. Until that time. Yeah. <laughs> For this next question, you've got to give us a book recommendation if you get it wrong. Uh, and if you get okay. it right, I'll recommend a book. Great. Which one of these is not? Is it okay if I recommend several books in my answer? Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in the answer, yes. Uh, here's Which one of these is not a type of men's hat? These are uh, two of these are men's hats. One of them is not. A, mm -hmm. Stingy Brim. B, The Franklin. C, The Homburg. The, um, I'm going to go with the, the Franklin. You. Um, just because it sounds like a colloquialism as opposed to the actual name. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not a colloquialism, and it's not a colloquialism because I made it up. So you're right, but for the wrong reasons, so that counts. Uh, and uh, I will recommend a book for you. Okay, great. This is one that's not even available. It'll be avail available for pre-order very soon, um, but mm -hmm. it's needed for anyone who is more on the left side of the political spectrum. Um, it was written by a friend of mine, Ken Weber and Daryl Weber. This book is called Branding Democrats, A Top-to-Bottom Reimagining of Campaign Strategies. It's sorely needed. I, it sounds very exciting. Yeah, it's it's I, sorely needed, and it's all about messaging and why um, we're losing the messaging battle regularly. Yeah, well, I I will say that uh, the messaging battle has uh, that the Suicide Squad immolation team um, showed up this week on the right to uh, yeah. to hand us a an, you know a, a bunch of talking points for the fall. Yes, um, unforced error is what I would call it. I hope it's not um, too far away. Because yes. we do have a lot of momentum right now, but it's June. Oh, but it's going to grow because these trigger laws are going to start going mm -hmm. into effect almost immediately. And they're going to roll out over the next three months. And it's going to be even worse than the the Supreme Court was like, it's not going to be that bad. It's going to be that bad. <laughs> just and, this week um, alone was ridiculous. I want to recommend a book as well. Just, sure. in, just because uh, The End of the World is Just the Beginning by Peter Zion is just coming out. And... Uh, some people on my show will know that I like there's a bunch of people I go to for like demographics and geopolitics and stuff like that. And he's the first person I found that was mentioning stuff that I was talking about having come back from China about their demographics and their economics. Everybody else was like, that sounds crazy to me. And I'm like, I'm telling you, the, the, they're collapsing in a way that I don't think people recognize. And it's there's a lot of ramifications that we're going to have to prepare for. It's not even a choice. Wow. And um, and he he's done a bunch of stories about the demographics and the fact that their society is aging now faster than Japan and South Korea, which some people know about the story of the aging population, Japan and South Korea. And they've got way more people. They don't have anywhere near the 1.3 billion people that they've been talking about. It's all horseshit. They've wow. also got more than 20 million COVID deaths. The whole 4,000 story is nonsense. I was there up till, you know, COVID hit essentially really? um, filming. So uh, it, it's it's just a it's an angle that most people don't recognize. And and in the conversation about China's going to eat our lunch, which is what we've been hearing nonstop yeah. for ages, um, it's it, it'll just throw, give you a different perspective okay. on that. His stuff. Yeah, his videos, you can watch his videos, too, on YouTube if, you, you know, if you're so inclined. And that's The End of the World is Just Beginning by, would you uh, say the name of the author it, one more time? Yeah, Peter Zion, Z-E-I-H-A-N. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And awesome it's The End of the World is Just the Beginning. Just yeah. the Beginning. Okay, perfect, perfect. I'll, I'll check that out. Thank you for the recommendation. Uh, mm -hmm. You are one for f two for four. You're two for four. All right. 
Uh, See, I'm a balanced kind of a guy. Yeah, well, this fifth question is going to tip the scale one way or the other. Oh, okay. And it's for all all the marbles. So if you get it wrong, I'm banning you from this podcast. Uh, And if you get it it right, I'm happy to have you on again. I get marbles. And you get literal marbles. (laughs) Here is the question. We've talked about clothing. We've talked about uh, trends, fashion trends, faux pas. What is your Hal Sparks most Mm -hmm. prized piece of clothing? Well, there, there can't be a wrong or a right in this particular instance, but there is, I have a Kiss concert t-shirt uh, that I got at a concert that I had to grow into <laughs> Nice. when I was, right, when I was 10 years old, that I have that still fits to this day uh, in keeping with the kind of slim, trim, and muscly shirts that I often wear. Because I think you have, as men, we need to constantly be reminded the state of our bodies. <laughs> yeah, you that's cannot, a total men you, thing, right? You, right. Just once men. you start draping stuff, <laughs> you're like, I don't know, who gives a shit? Um, women are tortured by uh, media to keep themselves in line. Yes. Men, it's all, it has to be self-torture or we'll never keep up. And I would never <laughs> inflict an unattractive body on a woman. It's just wrong. So I, I, I wear tight clothing also to remind myself of this, but this shirt fits like kind of like this one now, but I bought it when I was 10 years old. And it's, it's, uh, interestingly enough, it was from the destroyer tour, which I was too young to go to, but it's a destroyer one. And I don't wear it because it's super thin. And, you know, I've worn it a couple of times on stage performing with my band and and doing the ultimate jam night at the whiskey which i've done i worn it once there but i'm afraid to like put it on and take it off because if it tears it's done yeah right there's no repairing it yeah well that is a correct answer and so i'd be happy to have you back on the podcast anytime you can Aww. catch House Sparks Mega Worldwide his daily live stream on YouTube which is House Sparks channel or on Twitch House Sparks that's at is it 6 p.m. every day it's uh well it depends on where you are in the country. I'm 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Yes, yes, six percent, six p.m. Eastern time uh, is when you can do it. Uh, Three o'clock Pacific, and then I do a morning show Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays now. It's more sort of philosophical and following whatever's trending, and we kind of talk about the talking points themselves to kind of run the anxiety off at the pass. Sure. So I do clips in the afternoon where I break down you know the the lies of the right moment by moment bit by bit as they do. And then I also have done all of Mike Lindell, Mike Pillow's n- movies all the way through. I've, <laughs> I've gone through them and basically MST 3000, each That's one of them. That's awesome. I and I've done 2000 Mules, the Dinesh oh, D'Souza travesty. Oh yeah. The, sh- the schlockumentary. Didn't you um, that, offer to debate Dinesh recently? I did. I did. I mean, I, I do it every time. I, I, I'm willing to debate any of the folks that I make fun of on these shows about the very talking points, or I won't even take it on. If we get, if we have agreement, I'll just say it. Yeah. But if they, if they're bullshitting people, which, you know, that's the qualifying point sure. for me addressing people. Otherwise who cares? People right. can have a conversation. I don't care. Right. Let whatever your conversation, if you're having a decent conversation with other people about beliefs you genuinely have, that's one thing. But if you're selling a giant lie and you're making money off of it at the same time, then I'm coming for you. And if anybody of those, any of those folks want to take me on about anything that I've said, I'm, I, you know, I'm here. I'm sure. always, I will stand up with, for everything I've ever said in this regard. And so, yeah, D- D'Souza, I put that out there and he, he didn't want to have a debate. He wanted to have quote, a lively discussion, but I had to let <laughs> him know my three main criticisms, 
I, by the way, I went through his show sentence by sentence. Oh yeah. I, there, there's no way I could break it down into just three. But I was like, okay, here's my three. If anytime you want to do this, but we're gonna live stream it because you're not gonna edit me the way you edited 2,000 Mules. Yeah. Here's my three: your premise, your evidence, your conclusion. We can deal with all three of those, <laughs> and and that'll and that'll cover it. And um, so far, I haven't heard back. Well. I'm looking forward to uh, Dinesh not not taking you up on that. Absolutely. And, uh, but I need more subscribers to do that. So that's the thing. Yeah. I, I have to start charting in a higher. You and I both know yeah. it's it's that like magic. Those There's certain magic numbers, sure. 50K, 100,000 that make the difference between people think whether, you know, I'm bigger than some of the people that edge ahead, but they're also willing to, I think, play fast and loose with their ethics. And I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. So I've, I've got to earn that place on the field and sure. I'm cool with doing that. Whatever it takes time-wise, I'm going to do it organically and for real. And that's, that's fine. But I definitely have to do that before any of these people are going to feel the need to, you know, uh, to, to face me about these things. I love it. I love it. Well, um, take Hal up on that. If you guys have a, you know, have a claim and it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go research whether or not cows face the magnetic directions of the pole. Right. Um, because yes. I'm, I'm, uh, here's that the thing. Sounds I think it's perfect for this show because it very well may be bullshit, and, <laughs> but it's fantastic. And there's lots of dumb footage about yeah. it. <laughs> this is great. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I and got cows 10 minutes down the road. I'm going to go and Yeah, you can go down there and film them my... and go, I'm going to show you a piece of footage. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell from the sky yeah. which direction they're facing? Right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, thanks, man. So thanks good, for having me so on, So good Michael. to see you, man. Take care. Yeah. That is all for this week. Thanks to Brian for the show topic and to Hal Sparks for being my guest. Here's a kid from England. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton, because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it! See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True! The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make the show possible. Sean Brown, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Ease Jammy Jams and the Mini Vandals. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.